Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. You may have noticed the bright yellow school buses rumbling down the street once again. Well, it's that time of the year, and it's when most kids are returning to school after their summer break, of course. But not everywhere. There are some cities that are not welcoming kids back into the classroom at all. It's been a couple years ago now that the state of Washington changed the way that they funded schools. This created a unique one-time situation where there was more money for schools than, than normal. Instead of spending it on kids, the teachers union across the state demanded that the teachers get all of it and and more. They went on strike in almost every school's district in the state and most every school district caved to their demands. It, it's easy for a school board, you see, to to do this kind of thing because it's not their personal money, right? It's not their money. They can just ask for more. Meanwhile, instead of more teachers or maybe better classrooms, the money was sucked up by teachers, some of whom are, are making over $100,000 a year in salary and benefits while working only really nine months out of the year. Teachers unions are, are a terrible thing if you are in favor of children learning. They, they never have a, a, the, the good of the kid in mind, really. They are only self-seeking and and really only for those teachers that have a lot of tenure, even at that. I can tell you stories uh, of being on a a school board where we were negotiating with a teacher's union and and the the teacher's union was really only out for those that had the the top tenures, that they, they had no problem laying off those teachers that were, you know, fresh out of school or had had only been teaching for a few years or whatever. Despite it being illegal to strike um, as a teacher in the state of Washington, the union is is up to its old bag of tricks once again, and it's doing it anyway. Now, from a series of articles from the Daily Wire, here's here's an article that is entitled "Seattle Teachers Poised to Strike and Delay School Year." It says. Seattle teachers are poised to go on strike over a flurry of demands, including more money, threatening to delay the start of the school year. The Seattle Education Association said last Tuesday that members of the teachers union have voted to authorize a strike if the union does not reach a deal with the school district by Tuesday evening. And they didn't, by the way, and they did go on strike. The school year was set to begin uh, last Wednesday for Seattle Public Schools in the state of Washington, which is actually their largest school district there. And, quote, our bargaining team continues to work at the table, and we still hope to announce an agreement rather than strike tonight, the union said in in an email they sent out to its members. About 75% of the union's 6,000 members voted on the issue, and about 95% of those voted in favor of the strike over the long weekend, according to the union. Last week, the union's uh, board uh, recommended members vote in favor of that strike, and the union has been locked in negotiations with the Seattle School District for months. 
The union's main demands is, yes, you got it, higher pay and also teacher uh, workload caps and a guarantee that the district will maintain certain staffing ratios for um, mitigating and special education students. The teacher, um, Jamal um, Bamani, I guess is how you pronounce that, Bamani, of uh, Lecce Elementary School, said teachers want to come to school on Wednesday, but they also want to make sure that they have everything they need. Hmm. Quote, we want to be here on Wednesday and we want to be ready, but we want to make sure that we are coming back to a school with everything we need and everything our students need, she said during a video call uh, announcing this strike authorization. Quote, so we are still holding out hope that something will happen and we can come back tomorrow. We, but we are ready and willing if we need to, to let the district know that we're not going to show up if we don't have everything our students need, she said. So, so let me get this straight. <laughs> they are striking over higher pay. And how is that affecting what the students need? Because they're saying that they don't want to come back to school and teach students until they get everything they need. But the major thing that they are striking over is pay. So I don't understand how the students don't have everything they need because the teachers aren't getting a raise. The union told teachers it hopes to announce a deal with the district later on Tuesday, but if they can't reach one, the strike will move forward. And as I said, it did. Well, picket lines, of course, started at 7.30 a.m. Wednesday, and they said that, that we have been put here every day, putting in the hours from early in the morning to late at night, uh, said Marla Rasmussen, a member of the union's bargaining team. Well, we will continue to do so, and we're prepared to stay all night as long as it takes. We, we've done it before, and we'll do it again. It's really important that we have your support and backing and understanding that we are all in this together in solidarity, she said. Teachers in Washington's fourth largest school district, Kent, are also currently on strike. And there's, there's others as well. Even, even earlier this year, teachers across the country went on strike over a slew of issues, including demands for remote learning, uh, higher pay, smaller class sizes. Teacher unions authorized strikes in Chicago, in Sacramento, in Minneapolis, all, among other places. And in early January, the Chicago Teachers Union shut down the country's third largest school district, demanding more pandemic safety measures, including more remote learning and face masks and COVID training, uh, COVID testing. The, the strike cost the Chicago students five school days. But parents are not supporting these unions, and, and, and for reasons other than the strikes, really, Emails obtained through public records requests from a parents association revealed California's largest teachers union had a researcher allegedly spy on parents who fought for their children to return to classrooms during the pandemic. Yeah. Allison Stratton, one of the founders of uh, parents, uh, the parents association, which is a, a group of of North San Diego County parents in, in various school districts told Fox news that the emails from the 
California Teachers Association, CTA, showed it worked against parents who wanted their children and their children's schools reopened completely. Quote, we really already uh, suspected it because we see the same people show up at every school board meeting saying the same things, echoing what the union is saying, Stratton said. So it's not a surprise <laughs> that CTA, which proudly boasts that it's the largest demo- democratic and member-driven organization in the state, allegedly began searching uh, for information a month after the parents' group successfully sued the state to reopen schools in March of 2021. The teachers' union reportedly summoned strategic research uh, specialist Anne Swinburne uh, to uh, uh, uncover some of the ideological leanings of the group that, that bankrolled the lawsuits filed against the school districts across the state. In a series of exchanges, Swinburne uh, reached out to a group of anonymous insiders who had the, the scoop on the, the Parents Association. During one of the replies, one of the parties actually included a principal within the San Diego Union High School District, which has been sued by a, a local union, backed by, of course, CTA, um, to stay closed in December of 2020. Uh, quote, I think you actually included... Adam Camacho, uh, Camacho, on your uh, reply, one of the email read, uh, emails read, uh, not sure if we need to do any damage control, it said. I don't think that there will be an issue, the respondent said, unless someone does a record request for the work email. And Stratton, the parent association, did just that. <laughs> once Once the association uh, disseminated the emails around social media outlets, Swinburne deleted her Twitter account. However, several archived tweets from Swinburne unearthed by parents groups alleged that the CTA researcher believed right-wing groups and big money interests were behind the vanguard for children to return to in-person learning. Now, Lance Christensen, a candidate running for California Superintendent of Public Instruction, condemned the revelation as, quote, startling and disgusting in a statement to Fox News. Quote, conducting opposition research is a common practice in political campaigns, but to have the teachers union dedicate personnel to politically targeted moms and dads protecting their own children and expressing their First Amendment rights is both startling and disgusting, Christensen said. Um, Entrenched special interests have used their uh, war chests over the the last two and a half years to intimidate and threaten anyone who dares to challenge their ineffective reign over public education. Now, this must end, he added. And, And really... The, the unions have pushed for even more than that. They're not just spying on parents and trying to to mitigate the the effects that parents have on school boards and trying to lobby for the the basically what's best for kids. But they they also are involved in other things as well. Here here in this article from the Daily Wire, it says union takes credit for Biden for giving unlimited student loans for teachers. One teacher actually wrote off a, almost a half a million dollars 
The American Federation of Teachers Union says its lobbying is to thank for the Biden administration's dramatic expansion of a program that forgives an unlimited amount of student loans for public employees, and that one teacher used it to get out of $450,000 in obligations. In a move that is separate from the widely published $10,000 loan forgiveness, but in many ways more radical, the Biden administration used a waiver to stop enforcing the rules of an existing program that allows people to have all remaining student loans forgiven after 10 years of working for the government or a nonprofit. So this is completely different than maybe the one that you heard of. This is one where they forgive everything. Now, the lack of enforcement expanded the pool of those eligible so dramatically that the, that it forgave $9 billion in the last year. Yes, that's what I said, $9 billion in the last year, compared to $1 billion total in the program's previous history. The program arose from a 20, uh, yeah, 2007 law and is called the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, or PSLF. In a Labor Day message, Union President Randy Weingarten said the union's lobbying, which was also a leading cause of keeping schools closed during the coronavirus, was also responsible for the giveaway, which largely benefited the union's members. The union played a role in helping elect Joe Biden, she said. Now, she said also, quote, we worked directly with the Biden administration on the latest PSLF fixes and the recent game-changing announcements on the student debt cancellation. Through the ATF's uh, advocacy around PSLF, $10 billion of student debt has been forgiven for 175,000 public service workers so far. Here's just one example. This summer, we helped an ATF member in California wipe out $450,000 of student debt. Now, this this is what Weingarten's saying. So this is coming directly from her. The average discharge under waivers was $61,000. That's the average. It means there was, there was half, it was even more than that, half that was less. But according to the to most recent data provided by the department, that's far greater than the $10,000 course offered to non-government employees under the latest Biden plan. And unlike that plan, people with incomes higher than $125,000 are eligible. Weingarten, who does not have children, made $534,000 in 2020, a year when students got you know, little in, in the way of in-person education and its tax filing shows. The waiver, as they call it, was justified by coronavirus, but it is still in effect for the next two months, even though almost no one is currently unable to earn income because of coronavirus. Quote, we urge eligible student loan borrowers to apply for a public service loan forgiveness waiver, even if they have been denied before. Don't delay. The waiver program expires on October 31st, she wrote. So forgiving unlimited student loans could incentivize people to attend expensive colleges, of course, for far longer than they need to, and rack up useless degrees with taxpayers saddled with all of it after 10 years 
in the classroom. So you could take underwater basket weaving and it wouldn't matter. Taxpayers have to pay for it. The Congressional Budget Office has flagged the issue of individual people discharging huge amounts, saying that that modifying the program to institute a limit of $57,000 could help rein in the federal deficit. Ironically, though, data from a study by Teachers Union indicates that there are few academic benefits to majoring in education. Isn't that interesting? A 2011 study by the other major teachers union, the National Education Association, showed that majoring in education in college um, correlated statistically with doing worse on teaching exams. Isn't that interesting? The book Race to the Bottom uh, reported this, and undergraduate education uh, majors scored worse on teachers' certification exams than those who majored in anything else it found. You can major in anything else and you did better than those that majored in education as far as the teacher's exam. According to the college board, students uh, intending on majoring in education have among the lowest SAT scores of any major. Yet another study found that they graduate with the highest GPA. Of course, that this indicates that the four expensive years of college have little rigor to them. So, I mean, how do you, how do you, how else do you justify that? I mean, how else do you justify the fact that they have the lowest SAT scores of any major and yet the highest GPA? As data has has mounted that school closures were devastating to children, particularly poor children, the teachers' unions have. Pre- publicly sought to minimize their role in forcing extended closures. But in the message sent to members, it said, quote, we fight for safety, working conditions, not just for ourselves, but for the safety of our children, unquote. It's for the children, right? The the union's Labor Day message also attacked conservatives. Well, that's a shocker while simultaneously saying it was extremist politicians who were politicizing education. (laughs) It said conservatives oppose public education and teaching children to have tolerance, empathy, and the skills, knowledge, and ability to think critically that they need to achieve their dreams, unquote. (laughs) So how is any of this helping kids. I mean, I, I dare you to, to, uh, you can message me. Uh, you, you can, you can go on our Facebook page. Uh, you can go to uncommonsensepodcast.com, whatever the case may be. I, I challenge you to, to tell me how this is helping kids, how any of this is helping kids. How are the unions in this case, helping our children? Because it's not. I do not see a scenario where this kind of thing is helping our kids. From another article, it says that a school, California school district, is trying to shut down a private uh, Christian school, citing building safety concerns the school says are baseless. So basically, I'm going to go through this article, but basically what's happening is they want to shut down a private school just days before it opens for the school year. 
because, well, let's take a look. The uh, Ventura Uni uh, Unified School District, or VUSD, just it's it's just northwest of Los Angeles, by the way, is is demanding Ventura County Christian School, or VCCS, vacate the school's premises, claiming one of the buildings is structurally unsafe for students. Okay, on August nineteenth. Three days before school was supposed to start, yes, just three days before school was supposed to start, the district told the school that the facility was dangerous and that it would not renew the school's lease for the property. Quote, we understand the difficult timing of this. <laughs> this is a school district spokeswoman, uh, Marianne Quiroz. Now, she told the, the Ventura County Star that we did and continue to do our very best to make accommodations for the school, unquote. Well, really? By shutting them down three days before they start? Quote, we have, uh, we have put their blood, sweat, and tears into the school for 30 years, and I understand that devotion and sense of loss. This is uh, what was said by Sabrina Rodriguez, the district um, board uh, president. And, um, and she said that, quote, but as a public agency, the school district has a very clear direction for the decisions they have to make, unquote. The school pushed back, of course, saying the district's safety claim is unfounded. Because, again, if you're going to say that this building is unsafe, then you better show why it's unsafe, right? Particularly if you're going to shut it down like that. Quote, we just do not agree that the classroom is unsafe. We feel that other intentions are at play. This was from school principal Perry uh, Greer or Grew. On August 29th, the school decided to defy the district and welcome students back to begin the school year anyway. The district responded with a three-day notice to vacate the premises. The school has leased the building from the district for more than two decades more than two decades, but the lease expired in June. And at the, at the time, the district told VCCS it wanted to do another safety analysis before agreeing to another long-term lease. As recently as September 2021, the district uh, commissioned a safety analysis that found the school was safe for occupancy. Yes, safe for occupancy. In the meantime, during negotiations for the new lease, VCCS noticed that the district had included a non-discrimination and equal opportunity clause in the new lease that the school was concerned might prevent it from hiring only Christian teachers or teaching a Christian curriculum. So, in other words, the the school district in its new lease tried to slip in some some wordage there that would basically say that they they couldn't only hire Christian teachers and they couldn't only teach Christian curriculum. Quote. We, and I want you to hear this, quote, we could potentially be forced to hire teachers who don't hold a Christian worldview, the principal said. The school asked the district to delete the paragraph, but went ahead and paid two months rent, thinking that they still had an agreement, according to their lawyer. And then three days before school was supposed to start, the district informed VCCS that the new June safety report found the school building was unsafe and they would not renew the lease. However, the safety report did not actually recommend that the school building be vacated. 
It did recommend closer, uh, closer inspection and installing more supports and bracing. In response, the school hired another, another independent firm to conduct a second review of the school building. Quote, while further study of the building is prudent, nothing on site or in the recommendations by the district commission report warrants vacating the facility at this time. Now, this, is, this was stated by the school commissioned report. Ron Bramer, a lawyer for the school, called the district's safety claims baseless and completely uh, disingenuous and said that this district might have other motivations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think they might have other motivations. VCCS has been at the location for 22 years with no issues or concerns ever being raised about the safety of the school. Now, this is uh, subterfuge, uh, he said. The VUSD just lacks the courage to, to be perceived as closing a Christian school because they want to sell the property so the city can build a low-cost low housing development or because they know those kids will have no other alternative but to re-enroll in public school and they will benefit from the boost in enrollment by 200 kids in their, into their school system. I think that's where the, the truth lies because you know these school districts, they're losing kids all over the place right now because these parents are getting getting smarter and they're they're pulling their kids out and they're finding different ways to to educate their kids that are that are much much better and so these public school systems are losing all of this money here's a here's a shot in the arm by 200 kids and 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 most the average uh, amount of money per kid that school systems get is about sixteen thousand dollars a year per kid so if you times that by 200, that's a lot of money we're talking about, right? Meanwhile, the school is weathering a rent hike from the school district. Although this was expected, according to Bama, the school's property value has increased dramatically in the last two decades, thanks in part to the repairs and upgrades that VCCS made to this property worth about $3.5 million, according to the principal. So the private school repaired the building to the tune of $3.5 million. And now, guess what? The district wants them out. But that's not all. I mean, listen to this. Rent went from $2,000 a month for the first 18 years the school rented the building to $4,000 a month. It doubled in 2019 and 2021. And then... Yes, it went up to $12,000 a month in the new lease. It went from $2,000 for 18 years in a row to $12,000. Initially, the district wanted to charge the school $27,000 a month. On the discrimination clause, BAMA said that the private school is in the right. VCCS is a private school, and the law allows them the freedom to practice their religion. Any government organization that attempts to inhibit the practice has infringed on that freedom, and it's illegal. At the same time, the attorney said that he does not take the school's opponents lightly. Uh, it, it's just it, it's just a bad situation all the way around, obviously. Um, he, quote, any lawyer who fights large government agency 
um, would be a fool not to be concerned about the effect of huge resources, connections, and the power the government brings to the, the outcome of any legal matter. But the school is currently raising money for the legal fees associated with its fight to stay open. And Jen Plu, a mother with two students at VCCS, has been actively fighting for the school and said she feels the district is is searching for reasons to get the school out. I mean, and and that's that's really what's happening here. This is not about the building or anything like that. This is this is about a school district who has taken upon itself with the backing of the union and is trying to close this private school. Quote, I feel that VUSD, the school district, is being a bully, and I want to teach my family and community that we must take a stand against bullies, she told the Daily Wire. Everyone needs to know that we love our children, she said. I mean, we are praying for their education and have chosen this school for a reason. We would never put them in harm's way. The mom added that her family decided to stick with VCCS despite the legal battle after seeing the school's passion and commitment to the students, the families, and the school. Isn't that refreshing that a school would actually put students at the forefront of its concerns? It's my belief that God has a plan for this school, she said. And it's it's time to 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 do as this private school is doing and stand up to these leftist school boards and and unions. We need to fight for our children and what is best for them. That's what we need to do right now. It's time to support these private schools or even better, homeschools, uh, homeschool our, our kids. I know it sounds like a daunting task, but it's well worth the effort and the sacrifice. It is. Our children get a far superior education and are better prepared for the world ahead of them. You will notice that I have not talked about CRT here. I've not talked about mandatory sex education. I've not talked about woke teaching or or same-sex bathrooms. This goes beyond that even. It affects our society as a whole. And you may agree, you may disagree. Please, let's hear from you. It's UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications. 